Oh my god, y'all, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can follow me on Twitter at Indy Nickerson, or you can follow me on Twitter at Romancing Nancy, if you are so inclined. And welcome to the last day of 2021, if you are listening to this on release day. If not, I hope the future's better. Anyway, Uh, This is the last episode of season six, so the last episode of season six is going to be about the Nancy Drew mystery story, which was released in 1947, and this one is entitled The Ghost of Blackwood Hall, and as you know from previous episodes, Nancy does not believe in ghosts. That is not a thing that she is into, so you know that everything is going to be human beings. It's it's very much Scooby-Doo whenever we're talking about ghosts in these. Also, apparently everybody in the 1940s was... Well, interestingly, um, there's talk of women in these books that are working in factories, which I, I was like, I, I thought that when the men came back, they like took all these jobs, but apparently no. Apparently there were still were young women who had decided that they were going to work in factories to support their families. So that happens here. And of course, in some of these families, like some of the men of draft age did not come home. So there's that. Um, but it's it's interesting in that you've got, of course, um, the women who are prone to believe people who are like basically sending them the nineteen forty seven version of chain mail where like in the in chain letters in the mail they get like we're going to have a seance We're you know, a a friendly spirit from your past is trying to contact you, all this stuff. Like I'm a Nigerian prince and you are the best person in the world. So, so Nancy is brought in on a case like that, where it's somebody who is actually multiple people who are pretty gullible. And as I say later in the episode, this is kind of like a weird cross between the church of Scientology and the Blair Witch Project. (laughs) but the dumbest possible ways for both of those things. So that's what we're doing in this one is a little bit of light cult deprogramming and a little bit of just holding some fake seances, y'all, because that's the spirit of this thing. So enjoy. So Ghost of Blackwood Hall is from 1947, and it opens with Nancy talking to Togo, her dog, who I'm pretty sure that we skipped the book where she actually meets Togo, who she actually rescues him. He was on the street, and she gave him a good home. Um, the cat we like never hear from again. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think occasionally the cat pops up, but Togo is the one who usually accompanies Nancy on her mysteries. So she's um, she's talking about how if she were to investigate a ghost, she would probably get a cat to be involved, which always makes me think of the mummy movies because, of course, mummies are afraid of cats. I don't know why. I mean, it's fine. Um But she's sitting at home, and this guy that she knows, who is a jeweler, comes in and is like, Nancy, I need your help. And Nancy's like, bitch, I'm here for this shit. What? What you got? And he's like, I've got this woman in the car, and she is one of my good clients, and I need her to come talk to you. And Nancy's like, because mystery reasons? And he's like, shh, I'll be right back. So he goes and gets her and brings her inside, and the woman's like, I can't talk to anybody. And the guy's like, I know that, but she's a girl. And Nancy's like... That is correct. Um, pourquoi? And the woman comes in and says that she's been told that she cannot talk to any man or woman about this. And the guy's like, but she's a girl. And yeah. Anyway, this is what's happened. I think her last name is Putney. It doesn't matter. Um, and she has, she lost her husband a few months ago and she took a bunch of her jewelry and was worried that people were going to steal it from her house. And so she'd put it in a box and then buried it in a field as one does. And then when she went back to, she thought better of it, went back and dug it up and took it to the jeweler to clean. And he was like, yeah, these are all fake. These, none of these are real. These are all fake. So the problem is that, of course, now her all the jewelry has been stolen, and one of the pieces in question was her husband's ring, which has a dark red stone, and she's like, that's the one that I'm most attached to. That's the one I'm most sentimental about, so I'm really upset that I've lost that ring. And Nancy's like, why did you, I mean, no judgment, but why did you bury your shit in a box in a field? And the woman's like, because... um." So a medium told me to, and Nancy's like, sure, sure, that's, mm-hmm, yeah, let, let's, let's go investigate. So 
Nancy and the woman go out to the place where she buried the box. And I was like, what, what, Nancy, what, what are you expecting to happen? Like, come on. But she takes her out there. There's, it's near the Muskoka River. There's a hole where the box used to be. And you're like, yes, this all tracks so far. Good job. Um, it's near an oak tree. It's a big old, it's a big ass tree. And Nancy, when she, oh, she also takes Togo with her because again, Togo's going to be hanging out around a lot on this case. Um, Togo's barking at everybody, which in this book, he's a fox terrier, which is not what he originally was when she met him, but it's okay. No judgment. Maybe, maybe Togo is just the name that she gives to all of her rescue dogs. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe she's just got, she's just got a, a massive rescue home that she runs for dogs. It's fine. Um, so Togo's like barking his ass off and he's like, what, what is it? I'm, I'm going to have to leave you in the car. So she leaves him in the car. Um, she's looking around with the woman who brought her out there and she's trying, like, it's rained recently, of course, so there's no footprints and Nancy's not finding a lot. And then she finds like this scrap of paper from a catalog. And on one side, there's an ad and it says beautiful lights for $10. And on the other side, it says, um, no assistance. And Nancy's like, this seems like a clue. When she and the woman hear this blood curdling scream and Nancy looks at the woman and it wasn't her. So they run back to, um, to see what the fuck's going on. Uh, just before that, Nancy, who is a magpie, had spotted a long metal tube and was like, I need to put that in my nest. So, but she didn't have time to investigate it before they heard that scream. So, uh, they get back, Togo's barking his ass off. There's like, apparently they saw a car pull away right before they got out there. Anyway, there's, there's no one there. Um, Nancy lets Togo out of the car and Togo like hauls ass toward, to follow the car, but they're not fast enough. The car gets away before they can get there. Nancy goes back and the long metal pole that she wanted to put in her nest is now gone. So clearly the bullet curdling scream was just a diversion so that somebody could grab whatever that thing was. And Nancy's like, cool. This is not at all suspicious. It's fine. So, um, yeah. Yeah, she takes the woman back home, and um, the woman's like, I shouldn't have talked to you about it. And Nancy's like, it's fine, it's fine, I'm going to do everything I can to recover your jewelry. So the best lead that Nancy thinks that she probably has is on the jewelry itself. She shows it to her dad, which she's gotten permission to do that, because while Mrs. Putney can't talk to any man or woman about it, basically she's only hiding the fact that she talked to a medium who told her that her husband had told her to bury her shit in a field. Yeah, it's, it's fucked up. Um, so Nancy's like, here's some fake jewelry, dad. Don't ask questions. And he's like, okay, so if somebody substituted fake jewelry for real jewelry, like if somebody made reproductions of this person's pieces, like that takes a while. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. This is not a thing that one can just whip up in a few days. Like you're not going to just like go through all of the bubble gum dispensers in the entire county and get all the fiberglass rings out of them. Um, so Carson's like, that's probably going to be your best bet is finding the person who did this because these reproductions are actually pretty, like they look pretty good. And Nancy's like, that's a good lead. So the next day she goes to, she takes Bess and George with her because she's gotten permission to, to tell the other girls about what has happened. And so she goes to a bunch of different jewelers and the third one is like, this looks, nobody at my shop did it, but it looks like maybe it's this guy that I had dealings with who is, he's tall and slender, which when Nancy went back to the scene after the metal, the shiny metal object that she had wanted to steal had, had been snatched up, she found a pair of long, thin footprints. So the guy's like, he's tall and slender. And Nancy's like, yes, keep going. Um, he's dark eyed, dark haired. Um, He's smooth, but he's also a bit slippery, as of course he is. Um, and his name is Howard Brax, because if anybody has an X in their name in an AC Drew book, like, your alarm bells better be going off, so. Um, but the guy is like, I think that maybe he got arrested. IDK. Nancy's like, thank you. So she goes to her dad's office, and she's like, my father, the inventor of the internet, do you know anything about this dude? And Carson has a file brought to him, which he folds her, and he's like, oh, this man was released from a Louisiana penitentiary a few months ago on good behavior. And I'm like, sure. Do you keep a dossier on all criminals across the entire United States for Nancy Drew reasons? Or do you have a copy of the internet? 
anyway, so, um, he's apparently been active around New Orleans. That's where one of his employers was. And so Carson's like, that would probably be a pretty good lead for you to track down. And so Nancy's like, we should go there. But Carson, of course, can't get away from work that quickly. So Nancy asks if she could go with Bess and George. And Bess and George's parents are like, of course you can go to New Orleans with Nancy Drew. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? It's fine. So the three girls um, decide to pack and go down to New Orleans. They fly down there. Um, while they're on their way, because the plane just makes a casual stop so that they can stretch their legs and take on new passengers like it's a bus, um, this attractive woman gets on the the airplane and is sitting next to Bess. And she's like, oh my gosh, where are you going? And Bess is like, oh my gosh, we're going to New Orleans. And she's like, oh my gosh, what hotel are you staying at? And Bess is like, this one. And Nancy and George are like, um, have you ever heard of the words undercover? And like, as soon as George can, she stops Bess and she's like, Bess, we are not supposed to be telling people about our hotel. We are on a case. And Bess is like, if you're saying that I can't talk to anybody, then I'm, you may as well just not invite me because I am a social person and also she was cute and just shut up. So anyway, of course, now Nancy and George are like, we're going to get bit in the ass by this. So um, they go to New Orleans, they go to their hotel, the same one that she told them they were going to be staying at. Um, they unpack, they go around to a bunch of different like local pawn shops and jewelry places, but they don't, they don't find the missing jewelry. Um, Nancy goes to see the employer and she shows him the pieces and he compares them to some pieces that Howard Brax made. And he's like, yeah, the same person made all of these. And Nancy's like, thank you. Okay. That's confirmation that this guy's involved. So that's cool. Um, when they are talking to him after they come out of that place, they notice that the same woman from the plane is following them. So Nancy notices this and she has all three of them split off and go in a different shop so that they can follow the woman. So the woman, of course, is when they split off, gets all confused and then she turns around and goes back the way she came. Um, and so they follow her back and they follow her to an alley where she enters a church of Scientology. That is not the actual name of it. <laughs> but based on all the shit that happens, I'm going to call them the church of Scientology. So uh, Nancy, Bess, and George see this. Bess, of course, is intrigued immediately, and she's like, they say that they're just going to teach us communication classes. I am deeply intrigued. And Nancy's like, this is clearly a scam. Because um, when they walk up to the door, the guy at the door's like, we're just, we're doing a special right today. It's just $2 if you would like to come in and get your thetans cleaned. And Nancy's like, two fucking dollars because that's $25 in today's money. $25 for each of them to go pursue this jackassery. So Nancy and George are like, ah, oh, and Bess is like, girl, I'm going in. So all three of them have to pay their $2 and go in because like immediately Bess is reaching into her purse and Nancy and George are like, oh, fucking course. So they pay their money, they go in, they sit down on a bench nearby because of course the Church of Scientology is holding a seance as one does. Which, um, like earlier in this, Nancy and Bess and George are talking, and Nancy's like, I do not believe in ghosts. Ghosts are not real. That is not a thing. And as you know from previous books, that's, that is a tenet of Nancy Drew books. Like, if there's anything that seems spiritual or ghostly, no. If there's something that we can say is, like, an ethnic or, like, exotic other, then yes. Like, there can be some, sp like, spooky supernatural explanations for that, but ghosts, no, we're, we're not, we're not going to go with that. So, um, all the people gathered at the seance are like asking questions of the control or the medium and they're like, will my daughter get better? Um, if my boyfriend comes back to me, should I take him back? Like, should I get a new job? Things like that. And then the go, the painting behind the person leading the seance, like it appears to come to life. Like, it starts glowing, and then a woman is standing there, and Nancy, Bess, and George are like, wow. So, then they're like, you can ask her questions. And Nancy notices that, like, Bess keeps almost talking, and she's like, shh. And the guy running the, the, guy running the seance is like, do not talk unless you are called upon. You do not want to anger the spirits. And Nancy's like, Bess, shut up. So, anyway, so when the ghost appears, like, Bess is like, oh, and Nancy's like, and puts her hand over Bess's mouth. So, um, the other people talk to the ghost, the ghost like nods or shakes her head and then she vanishes and they're like, okay, the seance is over. 
um, George actually goes up to the painting after the fact and touches it and like it's a painting it's it's not a person it's a painting so they're like this was I don't know how they did this shit um, but the guy running the seance is like, if you have other questions, please go see this photographer who occasionally, whenever he's developing photos, like messages appear on the plates of the photos. And Nancy Bess and George are like, yes. So they immediately go over to the photographer's studio. Of course they do. So they walk in and they're like, hey, we'd like to get our pictures taken. And he's really friendly and talkative with them. And so all three of the girls sit for their portraits. He's like, okay, they'll be ready tomorrow. And then Bess is like, so I've heard that sometimes messages appear on the plates. And he's like, so you've heard about the spirits. And Bess is like, hell yeah, we have. So Bess is, of course, deeply sad when she finds that there is no message written on her plate. But there is a message written on Nancy's plate that says, like, basically stay off this case. Like, don't don't help this person or whatever. So Nancy sees this and she's like, and the guy's like, this is serious. The spirits have spoken to you. You need to heed their warning. And Nancy's like, oh bitch, I will. And then the lights go out because of course they do. Um, and Nancy feels something brush over her face and touch her hair and Bess screams. And when they turn, when George manages to turn the lights back on, because of course it's going to be George. She is the one who has the, the like, levelist head in these things. Um, when they turn on the lights, the photographer has, has been knocked on his ass on the floor. He's out cold. Um, Bess, of course, is just shaken, and Nancy's gone. And Bess and George are like, what the fuck? Where Where is Nancy? And the photographer's like, how the hell should I know once he comes to? And Bess and George are like, what the... What? What? So anyway, they leave there. They go call the police. They explain to them what happened. The, the policeman... And I was like, sure, I, I'm sure she just went back to your hotel. And Bess and George are like, seriously, she was here. Now she's gone. Search this place. So the, the guy does actually search the, the building where the photographer is. And he's like, she's not here. Just go back to your hotel. So Bess and George are like torn up with worry. They, they look everywhere they can and they just can't find anything. They can't find any clues. The photographer just refuses to talk to them. So they go back to the hotel room. They're like, what should we do? Should we call Carson? Like, you know, and then a few minutes later, Nancy walks in. She's all disheveled and like her clothes are a mess. And they're like, what the fuck happened? And Nancy's like, so funny story. Um, when the lights went out, somebody grabbed me and they took me to a nearby abandoned building and tied me up. And Bess and George are like, how, how did you? And Nancy's like, yeah, I just struggled until the ropes came off. And then I came straight back here. (laughs) That's how she rolls y'all. Like I just respawned. It's fine. Um, so Nancy is able to lead them and the police officer back to the building where she was held, but there's nothing there. There's no clues. Even the ropes that were there were gone. And when they mentioned this to the photographer who they go question again, the photographer's like, well, that happens when you're fucking with ghosts. And Nancy Bessner's are like, that's not a thing. And the police officer was like, well, I mean, some weird shit has been happening. And the girls are like, what the fuck, you people? What the fuck? Anyway, they go back home. Um, but on the way there, Bess is like, Nancy's like, what were you trying to talk to the, the seance people about? And Bess is like, oh, so... There's this girl who, I cannot remember how the fuck she knows Sadie. Is it Sadie? No, it's Lola. Um, I can't remember how the fuck she knows her. It's like her, her, like the, her housekeeper maybe knows. I don't, it doesn't fucking matter. Um, so Lola's been acting weird is what's been going on. Lola's been acting weird. Like she was, she's working at a factory and sending money home And now she's not giving as much money to her family, which she was helping support them with the factory work. And she seems distant and weird all the time. And so that's what Bess was wanting to ask about. And so she's like, Nancy, go talk to her. And Nancy's like, of course, that's what I do. On the weekends, I talk to people about what's going on in their lives. I'm just a therapist that way. I'm just a thousand times better than Dr. Oz at it. So she goes to Lola's house and she's talking to Lola's mom, and Lola's mom is like, yeah, this has been pretty fucked up, like, I don't know what's going on with her, so 
and she's like, Lola is just like sitting in a chair staring off into space, and Nancy's like, oh, okay, well, um, let's just go for a drive, and so Lola is kind of in a trancey sort of state, but also like registers displeasure at being put into Nancy's car, but doesn't say anything, and so Nancy just drives for like half an hour and doesn't say anything, and the girl keeps looking over at her, and then finally she's like, okay, well, why are you doing this, and Nancy's like, because I, apparently some shit's been weighing you down, and I was just hoping that you might want to tell me about it, and Lola's like, I can't talk about it, and Nancy's like, well, I know that apparently something's been happening that has been, like, maybe, maybe something's going on with your money that you're worried about, because apparently she hasn't broken up with anybody recently, it's nothing like that, and so eventually Lola breaks down and tells her that she's promised her money to a cause, but she won't say what it, what, what it is, and like, she feels bad about it because she's not bringing the money home to her family, but also she's promised them, and Nancy's like, anybody who would have you pledge money that it, you're using to support your family, uh, that's not a, that's not a pledge that you should honor, like, you, you should not feel bad about breaking that pledge, and was like, do you really think so, and Nancy's like, yeah, yeah, I really think so. Like, if if these people try to contact you, then just ignore them. Just tell them to fuck off. And Lula's like, I don't think I can do that. Like, they, I don't know. And Nancy's like, seriously, just, just tell them to fuck off, dude. Just, you know, don't feel bad about it. Just cut them off. Cut them off clean. And Lula's like, uh, okay. Um, so... She actually, I don't remember how exactly Nancy finds out about this, but she finds out that there's this, like, three-branch thing that is, like, a sign that is being used. And so when she goes out, oh, it's because Mrs. Putnam contacts her, and she's and she's like, Nancy, have you found out anything? And Nancy's like, I'm working on it. She says, oh, I forgot to tell you that when um, my husband's ghost told me to bury my jewelry in a suspicious location, um, he told me that there would be three branches crossed at that specific place and then I was supposed to walk like two feet to the right toward this tree and bury the thing I just thought I'd mention that and Nancy was like cool um a thing that um could have been brought to our attention previously but okay that's fine um so when they go out there there's no sign of those three branches but they Nancy goes out there with Ned actually yeah you know it girl so Ned goes out there with her and they, I think Ned goes out with her at this point. Ned, Ned goes to the tree a few times. Um, that sounds like a euphemism. They see a girl with long blonde hair, which Lola also has long blonde hair. They see her put an envelope in the tree, and when they get it down, there's $50 inside, which is over 600 in today's money, so that's fun. And um, it's just signed Sadie. Yeah, that's what it is. So Nancy looks at it, and she's like, well, son of a bitch. And I think actually Bess and George are the ones who are with her at this point. Um, so Nancy decides that she's, uh, Bess and George decide to follow her, the girl who left the money. And Nancy stays to watch and see who retrieves the money. So she's stepped back some and she's watching the tree. And so she's making sure that nobody can approach to get the money. Bess and George come back and George notices that something weird is going on with the branch of the tree. And... Like, it, it seems to be bending down all by itself. And then when Nancy goes back to the tree, the, the envelope's gone. So clearly somebody managed to disguise themselves as a tree to steal the money. Yes, this is a normal thing. This is a thing that normal trees do. So Nancy's like, son of a bitch. So she goes back to Lola and she's like, Lola, do you know anybody named Sadie? And she's like, yeah, there's a Sadie who works down at the supermarket. Um... So Nancy goes down to talk to her, but she claims that she has no idea what the fuck Nancy's talking about. So Nancy decides to take out an ad in the newspaper, and it says, Sadie, if you have long, beautiful blonde hair and you know something about a tree on the river, I have a beautiful gift for you. Please contact me. So she gets a bunch of just total crackpots and two people who are just interested in the gift. And then one from Sadie, who it's like the lovely cosmetics company is the letterhead on the letter that she wrote. And she's like, I'm Sadie. I know something about a tree. What what's what are you talking about? So Nancy actually calls her up at work and is like, Hey girl, hey, so tell me everything about the tree stuff. And Sadie's like, I can't talk to you right now. So she arranges to meet Nancy at the park and she's like, 
Yeah, I, I left. She admits that she did leave the money in the tree, but um, she's also like really nervous about talking to Nancy about it. And she, that's like basically all she'll admit. She's like, I don't even care anymore. I'm just like, I can't talk to you. And then she runs and goes back to work. And so Nancy and her friends call the HR department at Sadie's workplace. And they're like, hey, can you give us her address? And they're like, of course we fucking can because we do not believe in privacy. So... Nancy goes out there and she finds Sadie's grandpa, who she lives with, and her grandpa's like, yeah, she's been acting weird, real weird lately, like being out at all hours, and it's just super weird, and Nancy's like, this all tracks, this all tracks, so Nancy decides that she's going to try to track down these people, so she leaves a, this is terrible, a badly written, badly spelled and grammatically bad note in the same tree that has been used before like she and Bess and George and Ned will stop by to to see if anything's going on with the tree but they seem to have stopped using it as a post office box so Nancy signs the letter Ruby Brown and says I've heard that if if I leave a note here that I might be able to talk to people who can give me information like Lola told me or Sadie told me so um and she's like, if you want to write me back, write back Ruby Brown General Delivery. So, again, terrible things. Um, Apparently, there is a black maid who works for the Drew House doing laundry, and her name is Belinda. And Nancy gets her to go to the post office, just in case the post office is being watched, to collect the letter, which... Of course, when she comes, when Belinda comes back with the letter, she's like, she speaks in dialect, like she's she's got bad grammar, and she's like, yeah, it was like, if they wanted to see if I was the person who, if I was myself or if I were somebody else, and it's just like, could you not, like, could you let any black people just speak with regular, it's fine, it's fine, seriously, I mean, I kind of go back and forth on this, it's like, do you, but... It's just if every single black character speaks in, like, bad grammar, it's definitely, it's definitely setting a tone. Anyway, so Nancy reads the letter, and it's like, come to the Humphreys tree, and if you do anything to betray us, then you will suffer the same fate as the Humphreys or something. And Nancy's like, what the fuck does this mean? (laughs) So... As all good sleuths do, she goes to the library where she looks up like local River Heights history, and she finds that there is, in fact, a here we go. There is a tree that is known as Humphreys Tree, and that's where a duel took place a long time ago, and it's also related to a mansion known as Blackwood Hall. And you're like, of course, of course. Yes. Um, so Nancy finds out the location of the tree, which helpfully has a plaque on it for anyone who is like, I want to go to that tree where some people dueled. Like, that's just what I'm here for. That's my shit. So she finds out about that. Um, she asks Ned if he wants to go out there with her. And Ned's like, with bells on. Um, Nancy and Ned go out on a picnic date, like with a bunch of other people from Emerson who just happen to be in River Heights for the summer. Cause that's just a thing. Like River Heights is the resort town for Emersonville. <laughs> it's not, it's fine. Um, and that's like, oh, we should, there's another time that they, actually, this is near the part that I'm going to be talking about today. Um, that Ned rents a boat so that they can have a romantic moonlit boat ride as one does, and he brings it up to shore, actually. He's like, oh, I wish, and Nancy's like, oh my god, look over there, because anytime Ned's like, maybe we could make out a little, um, (laughs) Nancy's like, oh, snap, um, Nancy sees Lola in the water, she's walking deeper into the water, Nancy's like, she's gonna be over her head in a second, we need to get over there, so, they go over there, and Ned gets out of the boat and actually, like, picks her up because the poor girl, like, gets in over her head and flails around like she can't swim. So Ned picks her up and puts her back in the boat, and Nancy's like, what the fuck was going on? And she hears Lola say, like, the beckoning hand. And Nancy's like, what beck? What are you talking about? And Lola's like, I can't talk to you about this. And Nancy's like, son of a bitch, we've gone over this. Don't give the Scientologist any more of your money. The e-meter is a lie. So she puts her coat over Lola, and they take her back home. And, of course, at that point, Nancy's like, Ned, you got to go home and get changed. Our date is over. And that's like, damn it. But anyway. So Nancy knows that some weird shit is, is going on. Um, she gets a, let's see. 
she goes out to the Humphrey tree uh, with Ned and they haven't, there's a note in it that says, you have betrayed us. You will, you will get nothing from us. And Nancy's like, well, fuck you. So she puts the note back <laughs> and she goes back to the original tree and she puts a note in it saying, how do I find the Humphrey tree? And that's like, they're going to think you're an idiot. Nancy's like, of course, that's exactly what I want them to think. So, um, a few days later, the note comes that says, ask Lola White how to find the Humphrey tree. And Nancy's like, ah, ah, okay. Okay. So, um, so Nancy and Ned decide to go out to, to see what's going on. They get another boat because of course they do. The place is just ridiculous with boats. Um, Nancy has also talked to Mrs. Putnam in the meantime. And Mrs. Putnam is like, so funny story. Um, I, went to a seance, and Nancy's like, you went to it? Okay, tell me everything. So Mrs. Putnam went to, she got a note in the mail. She said it was a friendly note, because that's the best kind of note, saying, if you're interested in seances, it's like a cold call, um, then we're going to have one, and so just somebody will come pick you up at your house tonight, and just answer the door and go with them if you want to go to a seance, which it takes a special class of person to be like, Everything about this seems above board. They just have my best interests at heart. Thank you. But Mrs. Putnam goes. She gets in the car and Nancy's like, okay, where do they take you? And Mrs. Putnam is like, I don't know. And Nancy's like, how did you, How do you not know? And Mrs. Putnam is like, well, I mean, it was a long car ride and I fell asleep. And Nancy's like, sure, okay. Um, so yeah, they went out there. Um, there were other people there. They talked to, they talked to the spirits and all this stuff. Um, and Nancy's like, okay, if there's another seance, because I'm pretty sure there's going to be, um, let me know so that I can um, know about it. <laughs> because Mrs. Putnam is very trusting. And um, her husband's ghost spoke to her and was like, don't trust anybody, not any, no, no live people. Don't trust any live people. <laughs> so anyway. Um, in the meantime, Nancy's also trying to track down the three branch insignia. So she contacts the government information service because again, internet, and they're like, there is no such place as the three branch ranch, which I don't remember how she came across that name, but anyway. And so she's like, oh, okay. So she asks, um, Lola about the three branch ranch when she runs into her that night that she's just walking out into the water. Like she's playing fucking, uh, any, any number of female poets who have just chosen that method. And um, Lola's like, Lola's eyes wide, and she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, and Nancy's like, if you have bought stock, it's not real, don't give them any more of your money, I don't know how much, how more clearly I can say this, Zeno is not real, walk away from this, <laughs> anyway, um, so she's been trying to track that down, and she's pretty sure that somehow this Howard Brex guy is involved with this, probably selling fake stock is what she has an idea is going on, she's like, maybe... Lola bought some stock and she's just been paying it off. Like that would make some sense. So, um, Nancy's going out with Ned one night and she, when she goes home to change, Hannah's like, Oh, Mrs. Putney's been trying to call you all day long. And Nancy tries to call her back. Doesn't get her. Goes out with Ned. Um, they decide to go out to the, the Humphrey tree basically. And like, they see that there's, this is out at Blackwood Hall. They see that there's something going on and like they don't know quite what. There's like a car arriving. There's like a weird light. Um, and then they run into quicksand. Like Nancy steps into it. And she's like, oh shit, Ned. And Ned, of course, is right behind her and he also steps into the quicksand. So Ned, because he's this kind of guy, is like, Nancy, like save yourself. Like use me to to get up out of the quicksand and save yourself. And Nancy's like, hell no. Like I would not be able to get back in time to save you if I used you to prop myself up and get out of here. Like we will find a way to get out of here. So Ned picks Nancy up and manages to get her free enough so that she can climb out. And then she has to find like, she actually goes back to their boat and finds something on their boat that she can use to help him get out. Um, yeah, she gets a rope that he, he very calmly, the book is very clear to tell you this, he very calmly loops it around himself so that Nancy can pull him out by looping the rope over a branch and, and get him out that way. And so afterward, 
they are spent and laying on the ground next to each other with their clothes just a fucking mess. And they're just like, oh my God, we must look terrible right now. But they realize how close a call they've had. And if this were fanfic, they would have fucked like rabbits at this point. They would have been like, we need to get you out of these quicksand covered clothes and into the backseat of a car. But anyway, so of course they go home to change and they're like, I guess we're not going to be attending any seances tonight. So, um, so Nancy actually goes back with Bess and George the next day to the Blackwell, the Blackwood Hall, the Blackwood Hall, I guess. Um, the doors open and they walk in. (laughs) Also, this is actually the scene that is depicted on the cover of the book. So Nancy is wearing this really cute outfit. It's a white dress with like a pointed collar and it's got like these puffy poet sleeves. It's nice. And a white skirt. And she's got like this little blue, like denim blue vest that's buttoned over it. And her hair is like kind of loose and it's, she looks so fucking cute. Like, I love this outfit on her. She looks fucking adorable. Bess and George are nearby, but we don't care nearly so much about them in this photo because they're, it's just the, the central focus of course is Nancy. So anyway, so they walk in, um, they're, they're just poking around. They don't see much. And then the organ starts playing, which Bess, of course, immediately starts freaking out that before they walk in, they're like, oh, we don't believe in ghosts. We're fine. And then as soon as she hears the organ, Bess is like, fuck, ghosts, fuck. (laughs) And then they see like this ghostly figure sitting at the organ and Bess is like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. (laughs) And so she runs out of there and like slams the door. And of course, because this is the way it always works, a big storm has kicked up by that point. And, um, so it's like pouring rain outside. Um, so Bess is gone. Nancy and George keep looking around, but I can't remember exactly what happens. I think that they, they like hear something like something that doesn't make sense or anyway, um, they go out, they like see a man rush by, I think. And, oh, they hear Bess scream is what it is. And Bess had seen a man rush by and that's why she screamed. So Nancy and Georgia go out and they're like, what happened? And she's like, I saw a man. He came out of there and he ran right at me. And and then he ran off into the woods. And Nancy and Georgia are like, which way did he go? And Bess is like, I don't know. And I don't fucking care. We need to go home right now. And I'm like, again, Bess. Yes. Bess is the intelligent one here. (laughs) But Nancy and Georgia are like, we're going back in. But the door's locked. So they can't go back in. So they're like, I guess we will go home. So Nancy goes home. She talks to Mrs. Putnam, who was like, who admits that, yes, she was persuaded. She did go to the seance that Nancy and Ned tried to witness. Yes, she was asked to invest in the Three Branch Ranch. Yes, she did turn over all the money in her purse, which was like $50, which again is like over 600 in today's money. Um, yes, she was asked to turn over the names of potential other victims. And as a sign of good faith, the spirits gave up the name of somebody that was close to her. And she's like, it was, it was a cousin of mine on my husband's side. Like only the spirits would know that. Nancy's like, that is fucking bullshit. And the woman's like, also they called me by the same shortened form of my name that my husband did. And Nancy's like, again, this is not hard. But anyway, so she tells the woman, she's like, please don't give them any more of your money. Please don't do this. And she finds out again that the woman fell asleep on the way to and on the way back from the seance. And so Nancy's like, yeah, they are clearly drugging you. But she can't figure out how because they haven't given her anything to eat or drink. And there's like, she didn't notice any sort of odor or anything when she went into the car. So um, Nancy talks to her father who's like, yeah, you need to not be breaking and entering. And Nancy's like, the door was open when we went out there, but I think they're like, clearly they're using that place to, to fleece victims. And Carson's like, maybe they're renting it. Like still you would need like a search warrant to go in there. This is what I find hilarious. Um, Nancy's like, we need to, basically she convinces Carson that they need to go out there and they need to find what's happening because she's, she's got a really bad feeling about all this. And so Carson's like, I will call Chief McGinnis. I'm sure that he can arrange a search warrant for us and let's bring Ned with us. Nancy suggests that they bring Ned with them um, so that all three of them will go out and search the place. So that seems like a good place for us to pause. Okay, so Nancy has gone out to Blackwood Hall with her boyfriend Ned and with her father Carson um, after, of course, Carson contacted the local law enforcement and was like, I would like to enforce a search warrant just on my own say-so. Just just letting you know that. So they head out there and walk smack into the Blair Witch Project. 
Um, I think that I talked about this last time, but when Nancy Bess and George went in there, Nancy saw somebody playing the organ, and they seemed to be, like, ghostly, like, glowing and things. And so Nancy immediately goes to the organ. All They all split up because they learned nothing, as the Blair Witch Project did not yet exist. Um, Carson... Anyway, we'll get to what Carson's doing. Um, Ned splits off because Ned and Carson stick together for a little bit, but um, Nancy goes to check out the organ. She presses a button on the organ and nothing happens. Like, she tries to play the organ and nothing happens, and she's like, I heard this bitch playing. I know it works. And she sees that behind it are keys, like identical keys. So somebody's sitting behind the organ, like on the opposite side of the organ can be playing it to make it just super ghostly. So... Nancy sees this and she's like, huh. She gets behind the organ and finds a secret passage down to go into like this basement slash cellar slash secret passage that she remembers reading about when she was doing research on this case. So she knows that there's some sort of secret tunnel thing. So she gets down into that section and she sees like this ghostly apparition, which of course, like while her hair is standing on end, she's also like, this is just a human being. I don't believe in ghosts. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but she, like, of course, doesn't see any hints as to who this person is. So she sees a person who seems to be wearing white. She sees a, like, green, weird, like, sort of haze in the room, and her flashlight is knocked out of her hand, and so she has trouble finding that. Um, she manages to get out again, and then she can't find her father or her boyfriend, um, she goes outside. She's like, okay, the car is still here, so they're still here. She goes back in the house. Can't find them. Is freaking out a little bit. Goes back outside, and the car is gone. And she's like, I don't think they would have left me here. So so she um, sees her father running out of the woods, and she's like, what happened? And he's like, uh, I saw this guy, and I tried to follow him, but I didn't quite catch up with him, and fuck, the car's gone. And Nancy's like, did you give Ned the keys? And he's like, no. Nancy's like, okay, so um, I've been all over the house, and I don't see Ned in there, so that's awkward. And then they hear somebody calling for help, and so they run over, and they find Ned, who has been drugged and tied to a tree because again Blair Witch Project so they untie him and he's acting all goofy and he's like yeah somebody I was going up to the third floor and there was this like weird ghost figure which made my hair stand on end but I was like you're a human being so it's fine and then he got his ass knocked out but he found a small radio um and there's just a sentence in the book that is like radios were Ned's things (laughs) So Ned figures out how to use the radio to contact the local law enforcement for help to let them know where they are and to put a bolo out on Carson's car. Um, The cops, of course, come out at their beckoning. I'm like, the cops just sit on their asses all day long waiting for Nancy and or her father to contact them and be like, hey, bitch, I got a job for you and you need to get on it. Like, in this book especially, there is no case where the cops are like, we got other shit to do. They're like, we have been waiting for your call. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, they eventually locate Carson's car, like, in the next state, actually, up at Lake Jasper, so Nancy has to drive her dad there to get it, and they found, like, some scratches in the upholstery. Also, Carson found a, like, telescoping rod that would have been used for magic shows, as, you know, as one does. So, they haven't found anything in the house that would necessarily, like indicate that the people are still working out of there. And Nancy was expecting to find, like, a bunch of seance shit. And she found no seance shit other than, of course, the ghosts. And the cops are like, are you sure that you saw ghosts? And Nancy's like, yes, bitch. Why would I lie about that shit? But they do notice, Nancy and her father do notice, that there are wheelbarrow tracks that are leading off from the house. And so the next day, Nancy's like, let me check that shit out because we never really tracked that down. So she takes Bess and George with her. Bess, of course, is like, I'm, I'm not here for any of this shit. I'm only here because I'm, I'm here with you guys. So for that one, um, they follow the tracks to a cabin in the woods. And I was like, another horror movie. <laughs> but anyway, so they find the cabin. Nancy decides to go check out another lead. And they send Bess back to get Carson or Ned and the contact law enforcement Because, again, law enforcement is just sitting by the phone waiting for this call. Miss Cleo is here for you, and she wants to help. But anyway, so 
Nancy actually sees like a sign of the three branches, which I think around this time is when they find out that the three branch ranch slash home is what Lola and Sadie and um, Mrs. What's it have all been told to invest in uh, as long as well as a bunch of other people. Um, what they've heard is that it's orphans, like it's to help orphans, like the dead parents are the ones that are speaking at the seances that are trying to get them to help out. So that's the cause that they think that they're supporting. So, so Nancy sees the three branch symbol. She follows that trail to another three branch symbol. And then she sees a big tree that looks like the kind of tree that one might use for, you know, leaving messages or big stacks of money as one does. And she sees a girl trying to like leave a note in the, in the tree and she gets hit on the back of the head and passes out. Meanwhile, George is watching the cabin that they found and George is like, they think Nancy and George think that they saw a car bringing Mrs. What's it? What's her fucking name? I don't know. Perkins. Damn it. Putney. Yes. Okay. Anyway. Um, so they think that they saw a car with Mrs. Putney in it going toward that house, but there's no sign that anybody's in the house. And so George is sitting there watching and she's like, this is so fucking like, she's not here. There's, there's no sign of life in there. And then George sees some smoking out of the chimney and she's like, so somebody is here. So she watches for a little while longer, but nothing else happens. And she's like, that's odd. And then she sees smoke coming out from under the door and she's like, oh shit, that fucker's about to burn down. So she actually, like all the windows are covered in black cloth so they can't see inside. So she picks up a rock and hurls it through the window and gets all the broken glass out of the way so that she can see inside. And there's no one there at all. No one there. No sign of smoke. Like, there's just, like, a little hint of smoke. As though somebody had decided to put on their own private concert, and they were trying out their smoke machine. So, that's it. So, George is like, okay, where the fuck is Nancy? Then Bess comes back, and she's like, have you seen Nancy? And George is like, have you seen Nancy? And why is there nobody with you? And Bess is like, because Mr. Drew was not home, and I could not find Ned either. And this is really bad. Um, So... They they debate about what to do. They search around. They can't find her. They go back to the Drew home. She's not there, of course. Um, they talk to Hannah, and Hannah's like, well, if if she were anywhere near her, like, Togo would go after her because Togo is, you can barely keep him away from her. And they're like, maybe we should see if Togo can track Nancy. So they take Togo out to the last place that they know that Nancy was, and they give Togo a tennis shoe as though he doesn't know what Nancy Drew fucking smells like. And Togo, like, tracks Nancy to where she got knocked out. And she's stretched out in some bushes. And Togo's, like, licking her face like, wake up. <laughs> so they're like, oh my god, thank god you're safe. So, now they know that the tree that they had located that they thought was being used for all these nefarious purposes, that's no longer the tree. So it could be any tree, really. Like, let's be real here. So, Nancy, um... I can't remember exactly how she runs into her, but she spots the woman who they ran into in New Orleans again. And so they follow her and they find that she's staying at the Claymore Hotel under an assumed name. And then she goes to the airport and gets a plane ticket under another assumed name and goes to Chicago under another assumed name. So they're like, okay. So Nancy dis- Nancy comes up with a plan. Um, what they decide to do is she decides to send a letter from that woman, one of her aliases, to all three of the people that Nancy knows are involved in this scam, and to tell them that, like, she's the only person that they should trust, um, that she will contact them with further directions, and so the only person she hears back from is Lola. Lola's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm here for whatever instructions you have, and so what, what they decide to do, <laughs> Nancy talks to her dad, and she's like, I have this plan, and he's like, this sounds like it's going to be a disaster, but I'm here for it. Let's do it. So Nancy goes, buys a bunch of magic equipment, and she tells Lola that she's going to pick her up from, like, a crossroads at, like, 9 o'clock that night or some shit. She gets her father to drive her. She goes in disguise. Ned's also part of this these shenanigans. Um, So they basically take Lola out to near Blackwood Hall. They don't actually go inside Blackwood Hall. And Ned is running the props, and they have a fake seance. And, like, Ned comes up and is like, it's me, the ghost of your granddad. And she's like, oh, my God, my maternal grandfather. (laughs) Silas, is that you? (laughs) And Ned's like, 
Yes, it is me, Silas. <laughs> Don't trust these bitches. <laughs> and basically tells her that um, the only way that she should trust anybody is if they say their name backwards, which confuses her greatly. And when she gets back in the car with Nancy after the seance, and she's like, what did my grandfather's spirit mean? Nancy's like, well... If someone says their name to you backwards, then you should trust that person. And Lola's like, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, cool. I got it. So a few days later, Nancy has Ned call her house and be like, hey, it's me, Drew Lowe. Do you know who I am? And she's like, no. I what the fuck? And tries to hang up. And he's like, no, no. Drew Lowe. Think hard about it. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. Howard. Okay, what's up? And so... Yeah, it's just, yeah, she sounds like she's okay, but because, of course, Nancy has figured out that the only way to get somebody out of a cult is to get them into a different cult. You got to get somebody out of the Church of Scientology by convincing them that there is a different, better Church of Scientology, so that's where they're at. But she's like, this is not a good long-term plan. <laughs> um, She doesn't, she finds out that somebody has intercepted letters that she got from that other place. Um... So that, that part didn't work. So she still needs to get Mrs. Putney on her side. Um, when she goes to visit Mrs. Putney and call her, Mrs. Putney's like, I can't talk to you. Like it just cuts her off, which is hilarious. Nancy cannot deal with this. Nancy's sitting there thinking about what she's going to do when this woman dressed in black comes and sits down next door and starts crying. (laughs) And Nancy's like, oh my God, what's going on? And the woman in black is like, my daughter's been acting funny. And Nancy's like, she's in a cult now. You need to talk to her. Is she three branch things? Tell her no. Here's my phone number. (laughs) Like at this point, of course, the cult awareness network was not a thing. Nancy is her own cult awareness network. Um, So she tells a woman to contact her. She like needs help getting her daughter out of this cult that she's apparently gotten all tangled up. And she's like, oh my God, thank you. And Nancy's like, after she leaves, Nancy's like, shit, maybe I shouldn't have tipped my hand. (laughs) Damn it. Anyway, so um, after the whole she's not sure if Mrs. Putney went to that seance thing. Um, one of the neighbors tells Nancy that Mrs. Putney apparently has left town. And Nancy's like, what the, why would, what? Because she's also found out Mrs. Putney has actually like decided to admit to Nancy that her dead husband's spirit has been visiting her again. And Nancy's like, how do I say that that's not a thing without saying the words, that's not a thing. And she's like, okay. Um, I, okay. Like, You know, if she says, no, that's bullshit, then of course the woman's going to just cut her off. So she's like, where do you think she would have gone? And they're like, we don't know. And they find out that she has, she might have gone to Lake Jasper because her late husband had a cabin there. And so Nancy's like, okay. And then Nancy finds out that Lola White has run away from home and said that she's never returning. And Nancy's like, also bad. Everything's bad about this. So she, Bess, and George go up to Lake Jasper. They find the cabin that Mrs. Putney's late husband had. Um, they also found out that this is the hilarious thing. They go to the bank in town because, of course, there's a bank and it's closed. And so Nancy goes to the home of the bank manager, the president of the bank, and it's like, hello, my father, the inventor of toasters, truly you may know him. And he's like, oh, my God, yes, I know him. He helped me with a thing. We are besties. And Nancy's like, so I need you to do me a solid. Did Mrs. Putney come to your bank earlier today and clean out her deposit box and he looks it up and he's like actually probably she was in a room with it and she had a big old purse and Nancy's like cool I gotta go so of course she can't approach Mrs. Putney because Mrs. Putney has already been like you are dead to me so she's like shit how do we handle this also they see Lola in town but Lola acts like she's hypnotized like she can't see them she like she's in a daze and so Nancy's like Okay, every part of this is bad. Every part of this. So, of course, they go to the local law enforcement and they're like, Hi, I'm Nancy Drew. You may have heard of me. Somebody is going to pull some shit out at this hunting cabin. If you would please surround it with all of your officers. And they're like, yes. Like, holy shit. Again, it's like there's nothing else going on in that town. Although they do say there has been a rash of burglaries. So, I mean... It's kind of a win-win for us. If somebody does attempt a burglary, we're going to be here for it. We, you know, we need to do some shit. So, of course, as you know, this can't be like the big thing of the book. Like, this can't be the big capture of the book. So, the cops are out there. They do actually um, grab somebody. They do. 
And they take him back to the police station, and Nancy checks him out, and she's like, I don't know that one, so that's weird. He won't talk. He won't talk about anything. Um, so then Nancy goes out to Mrs. Putney's house, and she's like, and Mrs. Putney's like, I can't talk to you. And Nancy's like, okay, I get that you can't talk to me. Um, just tell me that all the fun stuff that you've got in your big old purse is safe. And Mrs. Putney's like, how did you? Oh, my God, how did you know about that? And Nancy's like, girl, what are you doing? Like, seriously. Also, we're afraid that the maid that you have may be in cahoots with some people. So Mrs. Putney says, yes, that her dead husband's spirit told her to get all the stuff out of the bank deposit box. And so it was in her purse and she felt weird about it. And then she heard a scream and a gunshot last night and somebody's trying to break in. And so she was like, I should probably put this back in the bank. And Nancy's like, yes, put it back in the bank. But also, Lola's been acting funny. And Nancy's like, how did Lola come to be a maid working for you? And Mrs. Putney's like, oh, well, my dead husband told me that there was going to be this weird girl who came up to me and said that she needed a job and that I was to hire her. And she seems super nice, but a little weird. And Nancy's like, you're making a lot of terrible decisions. Okay. So they try to talk to Lola, but Lola won't come out of her trance. And so, of course, I know that you were thinking this. They hold a fake seance. Like at any point in this book, when it's like, when faced with the Church of Scientology, you need to whip out a competing e-meter, like, give them a Nintendo Switch, and see what happens, so, um, Nancy has Bess dress up in, like, weird sound robes, and walk in and be like, Lola, it is I, someone telling you to not pay attention to this bullshit, <laughs> anyway, so they get her out of it, they snap her out of it, and she's like, oh, I, I won't give money to these charlatans ever again. And they're like, we're, we're really, we got our fingers crossed for you, girl. We got our fingers crossed. You kind of need to go to some sort of support program that's to deprogram you from cult reasons. It's fine. Um, yeah, so they return from that and they're like, well, at least that's probably okay. Like, there's a point in there where Nancy's like, the license plate that we saw in the car was Mrs. Putney's. And so she goes to the garage to see Mrs. Putney's car, which... Mrs. Putney doesn't drive, um, this is her husband's car, and it's, like, up on the things, you know, you know, the things, Jack's, I guess, um, and the license plate is different, and then she calls the DMV, and the DMV is like, oh, Nancy Drew, yes, we will give you all the information you need, yes, this, this came from a dead person's estate, he died a few months ago, the license plate was stolen, we have all this information at our fingertips for no apparent reason, pre-internet, and, um, he is above reproach, so we do not believe that he was part of this gang. And Nancy's like, yes, all of this is reasonable information that the DMV would hand out to me, Nancy Drew. Um, yeah, so then she goes and she's like, Mrs. Putney, somebody's been messing with your car. And then when she looks in the garage, the license plates have been switched back. And she's like, oh, sure, sure, okay. Okay, so um, they still need to catch these bad guys. Um the guy that they have that was attempting to rob Mrs. Putney that night that they have in prison. Um, so Nancy keeps calling them to see like, has he admitted anything? Have you got anything else on him? And so one day when she calls her like, like this has been like three days, they're like, Oh, so funny story. He escaped last night. And Nancy's like, tell me everything. And so what they tell her is that apparently a woman came to visit him and then he broke out that night. And they're, she's like, uh-huh, and was the woman ever alone with him? And they're like, no. I mean, except for after she fainted and the the guard had to go get somebody else. And then the guard that was on that night, who was like this elderly volunteer who just likes to watch people in prison, um, heard a voice calling to him saying like, it is I, the ghost of your dead wife, and I have information about Jacob and also Samuel. And he was like, oh shit. And the ghost is like, come into this cell and I will tell you. And so of course, like a dipshit he does. And then the, yeah, yeah. So anyway, and Nancy's like, oldest trick in the book, pretending to be somebody's dead wife and luring them into a jail cell. Yes, we all know this one. We all know this classic way. So, so he's out. They don't know where he is. And Nancy's talking to Ned and she's like, Ned, I'm pretty damn sure that everything is back at Blackwood Hall. And Ned's like, the cops have been over that place. Like, IDK, I just don't know. And Nancy's like, I've got a really good feeling. I feel like it's there. Like, I know that that guy just busted out of prison, but they haven't had enough time to move their loot. And I know they got tons of it. Like, that's a thing. Um, They actually found some of the pieces that Mrs. Putney 
had stolen from her in a Chicago pawn shop, but not like her most expensive pieces. And Nancy's like, they're going to probably want to sit on those for a hot minute. They're near here. Like they just haven't had time. And Ned's like, okay, son of a bitch, I'm in. So they tell Hannah where they're going and they go out to Blackwood Hall. And of course, Ned brings a radio because we don't have cell phones and we need to keep this cops on speed dial at all times. So, um, there's a few other things in there, like Carson goes to New Orleans and gets Nancy some pralines and also a picture of one of the Brex brothers. Ah, you did not know this. Um, the spirit photographer is one of the Brex brothers. There's also this other guy who's involved in the seances, also a Brex brother, which sounds like a weird off-brand Brooks brothers. It's fine. So, also their mom played a fake medium and seances and then was like arrested or defrauding people or some shit anyway so it's a family business they just enjoy having disembodied glowing hands floating in the air and telling people that they need to invest in ranches where orphans are being raised to be mediums yes because of scientology um it's fine it's fine yes so um nancy and ned go out there and nancy's like okay i want you to keep watch and i'm gonna go in and you're like Yes. Okay. This is how we set up the grand finale. This is always how we have it set up. So Nancy's decided that there must be some way to get from the basement or a secret tunnel level to the main house other than the stairs based on the ghost activity that she witnessed while she was there. So she goes down to the basement and everything seems to be pretty much abandoned. She doesn't really see anything going on there. Um, but she finally in that basement room, she finds the the elevator like she was expecting maybe like a dumbwaiter or something like that and so she finds the elevator and when she opens the door two of the Brex brothers are inside Nancy's like oh shit and so they immediately grab and they're like okay you have fucked with us for far too long we are going to seal you up in this elevator and so you also can become a ghost of Blackwood Hall and Nancy's like I'm not on board with that plan like that's not a thing that I'm into and they're like and so of course she's like you stole Mrs. Putney's jewelry and you pretended to be her dead husband and you tried to lure Lola away from her house and, and they of course admit everything because they're about to kill her. Um, so they shove her onto the elevator and leave a vial near her with phosphorus and also some, some sort of poison is what Nancy's pretty sure is happening. So they shove her on there. Nancy feels faint. Um, she manages to stuff some clothes into the neck of the vial to stop her. It so that it doesn't keep trying to poison her. So that, that makes her feel okay. Um, she also was afraid to call out for Ned because they were like, your boyfriend isn't going to save you. And she was like, well, shit, if I call out for him, then he's just going to come in here and get caught too. So mm. anyway, so she's like, gosh, I hope he finds me. Um, but the vapors had overcome her for a while. So she passed out. Um, she woke up, she tried to find a way out of the elevator how the fuck did she? Like, I'm trying to picture it, and I'm imagining it being incredibly pitch black in there. Anyway, it's fine. Um, so she feels the walls, the fourth wall, the front wall seems to be thinner than the others, but she can't really make any headway. Um, and then she hears Bess and George talking, and so she screams and pounds on the door until they find her. Um, she falls into her father's arms, of course, because, like, he's the one who manages to bust through the elevator to get her out of there. She's like, have you seen Ned? And they're like, no. So they run outside, and they see Ned and 17,000 state troopers and also all the members of the gang who were local, who they, who Ned um, actually tracked after they left the house. Like, he thought that Nancy had just flushed out the bad guys, and so she, he followed them radioed the police, um, kept them abreast of his movements, and then they arrested the gang on Ned's own word, because that's how this shit works. It's called white privilege. Um, so yeah, so Ned is leading them in there, and he's like, Nancy, you're okay, and she's like, um, so I was, they left me on an elevator to die, and they left poison in the corner of it, and it was super bad, and Ned's like, I will never leave you alone again, and I'm like, damn right you won't. Like, there's another place in this book where, like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Nancy and Ned are parked in a car in front of Carson's house, and I'm like, uh-huh, adjusting your clothing, possibly, IDK, it's fine. So, um, all of the gang is rounded up and arrested, um, they, 
they admit to everything. They admit to like defrauding a bunch of people, blah, blah. Um, Nancy decides to go back to Blackwood Hall and she's pretty sure there's some secret room where the loot is hidden and she finds it. Um, she had to go up in the elevator to like the second floor or some shit and she finds a secret room and it's got like all the ghost paraphernalia and it's got, um, all the loot that they recovered along with, because in Nancy Drew books, the villains are always really good at record keeping. They find a ledger with every single person who was defrauded and what they got out of them because you know what? If you don't have a boss Excel spreadsheet, what the fuck are you doing with your life? So, um, so Mrs. Putney, of course, after the case is over, like Hannah arranges a big party because that's how we like to end these things with a shindig. And Mrs. Putney's like, oh my God, Nancy, I should have trusted you. Like, I feel really bad for all the, the shit that I'm thought about you because I was like, you're just an, a dumb girl who doesn't get it. But you were trying to warn me and Nancy's like, yeah, I was, I was, but it's okay. Um, so she's like, oh my gosh, you have to take, um, like some jewelry or something. And Nancy's like, no, no, I, I, I could never accept payment. Then I would have to report to the IRS. <laughs> no, she doesn't say that. Um, but yeah, um, she's like, well, just take this cameo ring because I don't have anybody to leave my stuff to. So, you know, and after I die, like you can have it now. And Nancy's like, I will take it and I will treasure it forever. And that's basically it, honestly. I mean, Nancy got some bomb-ass pralines out of this deal, but also almost got killed a bunch of times. And when she's talking to Mrs. Putney, Mrs. Putney's like, and you put your life in danger for me. And Nancy's like, honestly, like, other than the quagmire that me and Ned got stuck in, and then we looked at each other and we're like, we should do it now or we will never have another opportunity again as we sit here covered in mud in the moonlight. I said longingly. And also being stuck in an elevator and slowly poisoned to death. Like those two things were not the highlights of my life, but everything else was pretty bomb though. Like you're doing good work. So that's where we're going to leave it. Everybody's okay. Ned's never going to leave Nancy alone again because she might get poisoned in an elevator, which actually works out really well for the files. Anyway, um, so that's the last episode of season six for this we're going to start season seven back in the files with files 11. And if you were like, so this is going to be all about Nancy and Ned again, you would be flat out wrong because the ghostwriters, of course, expect you to have the memory of a goldfish. And we're never going to talk about that again. That's not true. I think it comes up like brief little glances every now and then, but we're going to be back on my bullshit with the files. So here's to 2022 starting it off with Nancy and Ned, so we're starting off right, so stay sleuthy, my friends.